This morning here and this afternoon in London, I'm joined by uh, somebody who's become a very close friend uh, who I've just, you know, when you, you meet somebody and you feel like you've known him your whole life, that's uh, Chris Ross. Good morning, Chris, or good afternoon or evening for you there in London. How are you, man? I'm doing phenomenal. Thank you for having me on, my friend. I, I look forward to, you know, serving your audience. And yes, it is nighttime here in London. It probably feels, it probably looks like it's like one o'clock in the morning, but it's not. It's what, 5.38 in the afternoon, 17.38. So um, wherever you are in a bl big blue marble out there, ladies and gentlemen, I'm happy to be here with my main man, Mr. Charlie. What's up? I'm, I'm oh, really man. excited. So, so good to, to have you. Chris is, you know, so that, so that you all know, Chris Ross is, uh, a serial entrepreneur. He is a uh, professional and expert in high performance sales process. He created the win-win effect and, and, and has influenced major companies and sales teams all over the world in his win-win effect. He recently launched the Winject Studios, which is a podcast network medium co media company designed to bring podcasts of like-minded people together to share their podcasts and their visions with Chris's media stories and his content and his people, which he's doing an amazing job on. It's a big force, you know, in, in, I think the world of entrepreneurs. Um, and, and I'm, I'm excited to, to have him and he's, he's here really not, not, I mean, there's lots of places you can listen to his, his podcast and there's lots of places to get his wisdom around the, the, uh, space of of sales performance uh, and his win win effect, but but today we're going to talk about what makes the man, and and you know I'm really excited about learning more about what made Chris Ross, and 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 you know talking about some of the the darker times you had and some of the decisions you made to change, because right. I think a lot of people see people like you, Chris. You know you you're a big personality, you're a serial entrepreneur, you've made some big waves in 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 the sales community as you've un unleashed your your win win effect on people. Um, but, but there's a man, you know, and a person behind all of that success that, that didn't always feel, um, you know, congruent in the way he was living. And, and, and I'm, I'm really grateful that you're, you're here to share that story with us today and talk about how you created and, and kind of walk through some of those challenges. So I know you live in London now, but, but I don't hear a, a strong British accent. So I'm, I'm assuming that that's not where you grow up, man. Nah, yeah, this microphone makes me sound American. Um, so. <laughs> I stole that from a good friend of ours, Steve Sims, and he, yeah. he came on to the win win effect. And, and of course, he's we felt like we swapped, like he's in the States now, and I'm in London. And he was like, Oh, I used to be there, I was a bricklayer. I was like, I know your story, it's all good. And he was like, When he got on, he was like, My microphone makes me sound like I'm you know American. And I was like, Damn, that's pretty good, I'm gonna use that. So I stole it. So, Steve, you listen to this, I stole it, but. Man, just to kind of give you a little bit more, I just really, first, before we kind of like really unpack some things, I just really appreciate our friendship more than life itself. I'm telling you, tonight, just mirror what you said at the intro and, and, and thank you so much for the kind words. They're 100% mirrored and I feel the same way. I just appreciate the opportunity to be able to unpack certain things that I typically don't really talk about, not because I'm, I'm sheltered, I private with those, that parts of my life that people just really don't have a genuine interest to ask those questions, if that makes sense. That's why I love your show, because there's a lot of depth to you, a lot of substance. You have a lot of ambassadorship. That's that's a trifecta, in my opinion, when you're trying to record something and catch a, well, shine a light on someone's strengths and talents and skills. That's great, because you would just go on a show, man. You can just have a conversation about anything. Well, you got to be conscious of the fact someone's tuning into this. So if I can reach one person today, I'm going to challenge myself. If I can reach one person and I spark an interest or might change your perspective just a little bit for you to see something that you didn't see before, and that changes something about yourself, that's a win. Yeah, that is a win. And, and that's, you know, thank you for, for highlighting the importance of that, because, you know, I think people think that the man on top of the mountain might get, might, might've got dropped off by a helicopter, right? And I mean, it's just not... <laughs> I mean, you know, we, 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 we fall down and, and, and we get back up again. And the idea is that if, if, if somebody's in a dark spot, you know, and, and I think sometimes Chris, and, and, I'm, and I know you can relate to this, you know, when the, when the place you want to go seems so far away, it just, it seems like it, 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 it seems almost impossible to get there. You wonder why start, you know, it's like it, it, you get so, you get so deflated and so dejected before you've even started the journey because it just seems so far and you know i'm reminded of of nando in that story alive of the of the uh the rugby team that crashed in the indies mountains and how that man you know walked off of that mountain i mean they had to do a lot of things to survive 
those perils, but that man had decided when that plane crashed that he was going to survive and he was going to walk off that mountain. And it was a lot of steps and freezing cold to finally get off that mountain. But he took one step at a time without worrying about how far it was going to be. And I think that's, that's lost on a lot of people is the importance of those first steps. So, you know, thank you for being willing to come on and share a different part of your story and shining a little different light on the things that you've, that you've done. And I, I know you grew up kind of in the South. Is that right? Yeah. South Carolina. I'm originally Charleston, um, born and raised, excuse me, <clears throat> born and raised in Charleston, South Carolina, um, raised by really good parents, really good family. I, my mom, and dad, my mom didn't work. Um, my dad worked two to three jobs to be able to provide for my mother. And we lived right next door to my uh, my grandparents, which was a, bit, it was a privilege. I mean, it was a, a blessing in disguise. Um, it definitely helped my mom. My older sister, she was born handicapped, as you would know, and your listeners don't know this yet. But I do talk about her a lot in other shows um, because I believe that that's my competitive advantage in life is where I learned how to communicate non-verbally with her. And that's where I really started honing in and I guess looking at life a little differently. And of course, one being grateful for the fact that I can walk and talk and, and run and play as a child and then think and speak, breathe, watch your breathe through tubes your whole life. But I learned how to really read people and using my emotional intelligence before anyone knew what the hell emotional intelligence was. Um, so my mom really needed to spend a lot more time with uh, Sue Ellen, which is my older sister. She passed away now. Um, she, so what, I was 15 when she, but she was diagnosed that she was only supposed to live until she was four. Um, luckily for her, she didn't understand the doctor's diagnosis. So I learned from her, you can overcome anything. And breathing, watching someone that you love unconditionally, and you had a huge connection with and still do, I feel her around me a lot. Um, especially when I've been going through what I've been through, and we can unpack this in a little bit as we go through the show. I, I feel her presence and that energy and being conscious of the energy and really connecting with people on a deep, deep level. And that's, you have to be open to that and aligned to attract that type of relationships into your life. So when I meet people like you, you know, Mike, our friend, Mike Diamond, David Meltzer, these types of people that are hundred percent aligned and they're tuned into a certain frequency and are polarizing out that energy into the, into the universe, you're only attracting something like that on that station. You're not attracting anything else. So when I come from that type of world, this is like me speaking some heebie, like some pocus pocus stuff. So a lot of people I grew up with, Charlie, they're like, what the hell is Chris talking about? He's lost his mind. He's lost his mind. <laughs> no, I haven't lost my mind. Nah. You guys are just thinking in a different way. How old were you when, 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 when your sister passed away, Chris? I was 15, 15 yeah. years old. And I was at an age where I didn't understand how, what I was supposed to feel. Yeah. Um, you know, and what, in one side of it, Charlie, to be honest, I felt relieved that she didn't have to suffer anymore. I just wanted her to stop suffering. Yeah. Because I, it drove me nuts to watch her, but I was like her, her knight in shining armor, man. She would hear me walk down the hallway and hear my voice, even my voice sort of crackling, you know, as a child, as a kid, teen turning teenager. She would hear my voice and she'd just start screaming of joy because she's just so excited that I was, that's that connection. You, it, it was just unbreakable. Did you realize that? I mean, you know, cause at 15, I go, you know, not, nece not, not, not necessarily having the same kind of family structure that you did, but I go back to just sure. typical 15 year olds, you know, we're, we're a little self-absorbed. We're, we're kind of hitting that puberty stride. We're kind of, you know, distancing ourselves from our family, spending more time with friends. Did, did you realize at, at the age of 15, how important you were to her? Um, yes and no. I think I took it for granted like any other human would. Um, I'll tell you a story when um, there was a basketball goal outside of the Coastal Center in Charleston, South Carolina, and that's where she ended up being. It was, and ironically, it was right down the street from my mom and dad's house. You think that was an accident? And I'll circle back to that. So it was right down the street. So I'd go there every day. But there was a basketball goal right outside. I had a basketball goal at my house. But I would take my basketball with me, and I would shoot outside because I was – indirectly not leaning into the pain and leaning into the adversity and not putting myself in her world and what she needed from me. I was indirectly running away from the pain. And because I didn't want to face it because I didn't want to deal with it because I didn't understand it. That was the problem. Yeah. Makes sense. 
and I, me running away from that or me not leaning in and taking that as an opportunity it you know when she passed later later on in life and when i went to the military i suffered from okay it should have been me that survivor's guilt right yes yeah it should have been me and it should have been me and i think indirect i picked one of the hardest jobs in the military um, i was like literally wanting I, I was secretly wanting to die but then uh, another part of that another side of it i've always there's a lot of pressure in my family and my parents wouldn't agree to this, but there's a lot of pressure from them being great because she couldn't do it. She couldn't do what you do or couldn't walk, couldn't talk. So those, those subtle drops that they would say in certain situations, you know, really, it really was a lot of guilt on top of me. Yeah. And a lot of pressure, indirect pressure. And plus I needed to lead by example. I had a younger sister, which I love more than life itself. I love her three little girls. My nieces, like they're mine. You know, and I know that's something we share together. Yeah. Um, and our connection, my younger sister and I, our Megan, our connection is something special because we overcame something. So now I'm going to get choked up. We overcame something so, so important, but it was a gift. Then it was the worst thing ever. Of course. And I, I still remember my mom, my dad, me and my younger sister, Megan, sitting around the coffee table and a dinner table. Um, and it was the day after she passed and she were playing a song where we had to pick out music that was going to be played at the funeral. Okay. And that was, it was hard. I still remember the songs and I, when I, as all the success and all the things that I've accomplished in my life, I all go, I go back to that moment. And I remember something my mom said, how are we going to get through this? You know, I do. How are we going to get through this? And I know the answer to that question is together. Because when they look at me and all the success that I've had over the years, they should see them. When my sister looks at me, she should and sees the success. She shouldn't just be proud that I'm her brother. She should see me in my success. And it's a shared legacy. I wouldn't be where I'm at today without the father showing me how to bust my ass. Well, like and I think you crazy bring up, work ethic. Yeah. And I think you bring up uh, such an important point because how are we going to get through this? You know, if it, and I think so many people are sitting there asking themselves, you know, in those insurmountable, what seem like insurmountable obstacles. And, 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 and the idea was together and, and we're, and we're going to pick out songs today and we're just going to, we're going to just take that next right step together towards what we know we need to do, which is, which is honoring you know, her passing and, and come together as a family to do that. And, you know, when, when my sister um, took her life five years ago and I was faced with my two nieces having to have, who had already buried their older sister and now burying yeah. their mother, it was the same. I, I literally, you brought me right back to that moment of, of, of planning, you know, the, the burial for, for Kathy, who, who, who died of an intentional overdose and, and sitting there with her daughters and, and trying to figure out exactly that. How are we going to get through this? And the answer was exactly the same together and we're just going to take one step at a time you know i don't know what the ends i don't know how the service is going to go you didn't know how the yeah, service yeah. No, no hell no you know i was you actually you just got to do it right i didn't know that i was actually going to go into the military i was really good at sports and then some people say oh yeah, i was really good at sports and actually sucked and i was actually really good at sports and that really helped me with i was undiagnosed dyslexic i always thought i was stupid as a kid because i couldn't read that well and understand information Later in life, I understood that I am dyslexic. Even if you spelled something to me right now, spelt it out loud, I wouldn't be able to like, I don't know, I would have to write it down. That's, but I learned my way of working around that. And I think that's what life is all about. Each and every single last one of us are unique and special and gifted in our own little way. We weren't born with a user's manual. And we, it's kind of like the secret of life is discovering your true gifts. And how can I maximize my potential to the highest level Boy, and live life how... into the highest level? And, and, and not just like making money and all this success is just determined by your own perception at that time of what you think is possible. When I took a step back and I was like, man, the hell with it. I don't want to play ball. I, I want to go into the military. I was my way of running away again when I was playing basketball outside when she was in there struggling. Not it didn't happen all the time. I'm talking about just every once in a while I play basketball. It didn't happen every time. I wasn't that selfish as a kid. But I learned this through later in life. 
that I'm an empath. I literally can get on a call with you right now or whenever in person. I can ask the frame of questions and it's it's a skill that you develop over years. I just thought it was a, something that I just intuitively understood. I can pretty much put myself in your body and your mind and feel your whole life and experiences you've had. But the only way for you to do that is 100% selfishly just give, don't care about your own feelings and emotions. So when I got to a certain age in my life, I, I took a step back and started realizing some things that I had no idea who I was. Yeah, that running is, is, and we're going to talk, so we're going to talk about that concept of what you don't deal with. We'll deal with you in that concept. Oh, it of, come, comes back around. It forces you. It run, Yeah. And, and, and wherever you go, there you are. But, but before we move to the military, I just want to ask you the, the, and, and, and I'm, I'm really anxious and curious to hear your answer. Cause I know it's there. What's the, what's the lesson you, you learned from, from sis? What's the, 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 the lesson her passing and her, and her life taught you that you still hold with you today, Chris? you can overcome anything you could just you know make it to you don't focus on you know the bigger picture you're focusing on the next moment the next second and i and i i think about that when i'm i'm struggling with things i think of her mm. and i put myself and i think of she didn't have to fight man do you know what i mean i do she didn't have to fight and she wasn't fighting for anybody else she was fighting just to make it to the next second and she did that 14 years longer than the doctor said that she would that's the biggest lesson i think that if i can and i don't think i've ever even communicated that so i appreciate the question um it does mean a lot to me because that's the biggest thing. It's like, you just got to make it to one more second. You, you hear a lot of this with people that have drug problems or alcohol problems, substance abuse in any kind of way. They don't really have a alcohol or drug or substance problem, depending on, you know, where they are in the world and what they believe and, and whatnot. I just think they have a them problem. They have a me problem. They need to figure out what, what is, what are they, why are they running to that? Yeah. I so never got I, that. You know, people used to say to me, drugs and alcohol weren't your problem. I was like, they seem like a really big problem. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I was but, like, but, yeah. But, okay. but, but, yeah. but they're like, now I know. Yeah. They're your solution, Charlie. The problem is you. They've become your solution. You've been using them to escape since yeah. you were 12 years old. So what a, what a great point you, you, you just highlighted, which is that, you know, usually the problem sits with us and we do need to reflect on our lessons. And that's why, you know, I think your sister, my sister, you know, everybody that comes through our lives, even in, in what appears to be some of the, the saddest times, you know, have, have, have taught you lessons that, that you've latched onto and have served you well, even in, in your subconscious, because you, you watched her persevere for a lot longer than, than she should have. But, but then you took off, man, you, you joined the military. And was that, was that something like as a kid, some people always want to be a soldier. Is, is that something that was on your vision board back there in South Carolina? Or was that just, I got to get somewhere? Um, not really. I just didn't see a lot of options and where I was from. I mean, Charleston's a beautiful place. Don't get it twisted. If you're on the right side of the tracks. Okay. And as long as you get towards the beach, you're good. Get a little bit more inland. That's when things get a little crazy. I mean, North Charleston, um, South Carolina, I think it was, you know, that was ranked at the time when I was being raised. And, and, and when I was a teenager, um, was, cocaine was a big thing and, and crack was a big thing. It's obviously you're at the ports and, um, there's a mortal capital of the world pretty much for a little while in North Charleston. You're thinking a little ass place like that. How are, how is, you know, there's a big, huge drug problem and there's not, that was supplying the man with police, not a lot of police there that could handle that type of aggression, you know, with in the community. Um, but me being from there, I learned a lot of things and, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm really fortunate that intuitively I made that decision. I don't think that I really put a lot of thought into it. I was like, the hell with this shit. I'm out. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, I'm that's go pick it. Some, I know. I, I know. I didn't want to go be, be a Marine because I wanted to drive boats. Cause I love boats. I drive a boat better than I drive a car, Charlie. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go drive a boat. I already knew what I wanted to do. So I was like, I'm going to go into the Navy. I know I didn't want to go into air force. I don't, I don't like heights. So I was like, fuck that shit. I going to be, you know, I was like, well, what do they call it? Coast Guard? I have a joke about Coast Guards. For anybody that's a Coast Guard, me being a Navy guy, I have a good, you know, I'll give you a joke real quick. So if I see someone that's underneath six feet as a coast, if they're in a Coast Guard, this is what I say to them. I'm like, how is that possible? Did they change the rules and regulations? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, how are you above six feet? I mean, you're under six feet. Like, I mean, they normally have to be above six feet. 
He goes, why do you think, why? I said, like, because when the boat sinks, you can walk back to shore. You don't get out there. <laughs> There's my joke, okay? So for anybody who's <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tip your waitress. He's here every Thursday. <laughs> That's my only joke I got for the Coast Guard. Anyways, so I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to drive boats, and I, I just wanted to get away. And I went to boot camp, man. You know, I'll tell you a story, another story when I got off boot camp. I remember flying on the plane from Charleston to Atlanta to Atlanta to um, Chicago, okay? O'Hara. We land, and we walk to the, what is it, UP, whatever the hell it's called, UPW, whatever it's called, UPO or whatever it's called for military things there. Forgive me. I've been, it feels like two lifetimes ago, military. So I get there, and then right when I get there, they already started screaming at us. I was like, why are you yelling at me? I'm five feet away from you. And I'm like, you know that I can kind of take you, so it's all good. I'm like, like okay, whatever, man. So I know it's a mind game. Right. They don't realize that I was raised by a father that was raised by a really verbally abusive, alcoholic, tough guy, like tough guy, grew up hard, like nothing scares him. Nothing ever scared him. I didn't understand that then, but when I, my dad did a phenomenal job not to inflict the pain that he was actually had and oh, growing up with. Granted, I learned a lot of bad habits. We all do. I think at some point, like my daughter, it, it, she's going to be in, it, talking to a therapist about her dad at some point in her life, right? We don't make it out alive, and, and everyone's going to have different perspectives, um, different views or opinions about someone at different spots in their life. But when I got to the military, when I got to boot camp, I got out of shape, man. I was, I was always been a really fit, cut up guy. Really, in, you know, I was always out. I was an outside kid. Went to the Navy uh, boot camp. Got out of shape. Um, I think the second day at being at boot camp, they made me the squadron leader. Was it called Air Pack or whatever? Air Pack or whatever it was called. I was the guy who was running the show. <laughs> but that's a leadership the leadership ability. I think you're born with that intuitively. Some, and some of us just maybe being around sports it did did help for me. I've always been the person that did have a little bit of influence with my surroundings. They look at me like when shit hits the fan, they would look at me, even as a, even a younger kid. And I think it comes from, I'm not going to really be reactive to things. I'm going to try to put myself in a, in a situation where I'm prepared for things. So before I got to boot camp, I was prepared for boot camp. So, then, so let me ask you a question, because it's an interesting point. And, and it's something that I, I focus on. You know, I talk a lot about our two dials, about our, our beliefs about ourselves and our behaviors and how important yeah. the alignment. So... It sounds like you saw yourself as a leader. You know, I mean, you 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 knew that you had this ability and that you believed you could you could lead. You kind of there was some you either developed that through sports or you developed that you had an internal belief that you could lead or 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 you wouldn't have been leading. Is that accurate? It is accurate, but I had no idea at the time how to put that, how to train that, or ah. how to transfer that energy properly. I was really conscious. I now I'm really conscious about how I'm transferring energy. At the time, I just thought I was just a spitfire. My mom right. tells a story when I was when I learned how when I very first learned how to walk, I didn't walk anymore. I ran. That was the problem, though, that I had always in my life. I just didn't know where the hell I was going. Yeah, and if so you don't know where you're going, you may end up somewhere else, right? I, I, who knows? Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I I look back at my life and it makes my heart jump that I'm not dead. Yeah, of course, and that's I think that's you know what I always want to remind people of as we as we sit here with a you know, with a, a 18, 19, 20 year old Chris Ross, you know, who today, you know, is one of the, you know, known as one of the leading experts in sales performance. But at one point in your life, you were murdered in boot camp having commanders yell at you and try to break you down. And, and, you know, what's like, that's why I go back to these vision boards and these manifestations that people are able to deal with today. It's like back then you were just surviving. You're like, I'm getting out of Charleston. I'm going to the military <laughs> yeah. and I, you know, I don't have any intentional living and I'm not, you know, I'm not reflecting on, you know, my past and my journey and I'm not journaling and I'm not self-affirming. I'm just trying, yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. trying to survive. I'm just trying to make it to the next day. Yeah, man. I hear that. You know, I and do. I'm just trying to, that's what I learned intuitively and, and just be by being around my, just making it to the next day, staying in the game. And then, you know, I, I've learned a lot of things. And, you know, when I went to the military, I've learned how to structure and learning very systematically on, on how the framework on really building the infrastructure of your business or building your teams and, and really driving that activity. I learned from some phenomenal leaders 
phenomenal because here's the thing. They're not going to, it's not like business where you just fail your quarter in the, in the CEO or the director just gets fired. People die. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and I'm sure you saw, you know, and I guess one of the things I want to emphasize is, you know, for people to realize that in any environment that you're in, if you can look for the lessons, you'll find them. You know, I'm sure there's people in the military who bounce around the bottom and they get, you know, they get, oh, demo- they get yeah. demoted and they stay there and, and they don't realize that they're, that they have an opportunity to learn and grow. And, and, you know, like I said, although it wasn't intentional at the time, you know, at some point you reflected back on those lessons and, and you figured out how to use them, but, but you still hadn't found that internal dialogue and that internal congruency. You still hadn't found who you were yet. Right. You're still, you're still I had running. No idea. Yeah. I had no idea. I was still running. I had nowhere to run, but I didn't know where I was going. Um, I will tell, I will speak on this. And I don't even think I've ever even communicated this to another soul other than people that have known me since at that time. The reason why I've always strived to be the best mm-hmm. is because my mom and dad's first child couldn't do anything. And I did that not thinking about it intuitively. Like I would, I've read that, like I had to be the best. I had I always strove for that excellence. And, and just so I can step back, I'm like, Ma, Dad, I'm, I did this. And I suffer from that because I was doing things that I didn't want to do. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't do, give yeah. me fulfillment. I was just, I was just, it was a hamster. I just kept moving. Yeah. I'd sail it a year. You know, I, 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 a lot of medals, a lot of stuff. And I realized, and I did have a senior chief at the time. I think it was five, four years in, about right before I was about to re-enlist. He said, I am, I am a reflection of your decision if you decide to stay my oldest son hates my guts my daughter who knows what she's doing right now my wife hates my guts i have a star on my freaking collar you know what i mean either you want because i'm about to retire and go at home i could have retired four years ago maybe i think 28 years 30 years into the you know military before you retired he goes i'm an alcoholic i smoke five packs of cigarettes in like pretty much two days, depending on, you know, whatever I'm doing, I'm probably going to be dead in five years. You could be something great. If you just figure out who you are, you're, you're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be here. I'm going to be forever grateful for that man. Yeah. And, And that hamster, well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, Chris, yesterday, um, we recorded an episode with Joel Rolapagos and Joel um, was the executive producer of the biggest loser um, TV show when it was at its peak and, and had lots of kind of professional successes as he, as he was on that hamster wheel. And, and we talked about not feeling worthy and, and when you're chasing, you know, when you're chasing and chasing that perfection, mm-hmm. it's never enough, you know, it's, it, 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 never it, it's enough. never enough. I mean, he achieved all of these things. And, and he was on here yesterday celebrating his 500th day of sobriety, which was remarkable. Oh, I mean, man, another one of those dudes that you, I mean, he walked in the room and I was like, man, Joel, I feel like, I feel like I grew up with you. I mean, he's just a super sweet guy and such a caring guy, but he was chasing, like you just talked about. It's like, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to, when I get there, when I get there, I'll prove to mom and dad, or I'll prove to myself that I've done it. And and prove yourself in this. Oh yeah. And it's not always that, you know, whatever, you know, mom and dad, it changes for everything. Right. It change it, it, the person you're doing it for isn't you, then you're going to fail at some point and implode. And it'll never be enough. It'll never, never going to be enough, but you're, there's nothing more beautiful to watch and someone's souls on fire. And what I'm, here's what I mean by that is they've shed the layers and get to their true essence of who they are as an individual and are only doing it for their own good, a greater good of humanity or whatever that might be. Their soul starts to unite and come on fire. And they're infectious. Everything they touch turn, catches on fire. Everything. Then it's a compound effect. So when I got out for military, I took all the things that I learned, you know, honor, courage, commitment. They used to put it, they put it on postcards and shit. I built my life by those. That's, that's my core values. And I built everything else out, outward, right? That's the core. From there, then I went to, you know, obviously had a little school money. Then I was like, what the hell do I do with my life? I learned some bad habits of being a sailor, cursing like one, drinking like one. Like I, people in the military, when we go into a port, we haven't seen port in 28 days or 60 days or 90 days. We're going to drink like a fish until it's time to go. So when I learned how to drink, I didn't drink before that. When I learned how to drink, it was one to a hundred. Yeah. You didn't have an off switch, did you? 
No, 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 no. And especially if someone like myself that has a ton of ball of energy. And now I'm just basically like, I was like the, I was like the freaking entertainment for people. I didn't learn that until later in life, but I was like, I'm just an entertainment. They always wanted me to go out with them. Cause I was gonna, always going to have a good time. You never know what the hell's going to come out of my mouth. Never. Like even now on these podcast shows, that's what I love about podcasting, me going on being a guest. If they ask me a direct question, I'm 100% aligned, and I'm not a liar, and I'm going to tell you the truth. And you might not like the answer, but I'm going to give it to you raw. That's and that's why, that's why the podcast took off the way it did. But go ahead. Love this, man. Thank you for the questions. Oh, no, it's, it's remarkable. And, 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 you know, it's so funny. You talked about the essence of the soul, and, and you talked about that masterpiece. I was literally just reading, rereading uh, George Mumford. Um, who's, you know, he's mentored Kobe Bryant. He's mentored yeah. Michael Jack- Jackson. He's considered a performance whisper of, 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 of epic proportion. And, and I, I just read this morning in his book, how he talks about Michelangelo's reference to how he created all these masterpieces. And he's like, I just chipped away the stone. The masterpiece, yeah, that, the masterpiece was always inside. And we each have, and you, and you just, you just described that so perfectly that there's, there's a masterpiece inside all of us, man. And, and George yeah. will say, he, he always, he used to tell me and I, and, and it hits, hits me even today. He, he's like, I just need you to be you, you know, and it's the hardest job besides being a parent, yeah. being you is the hardest job there is. Cause if you don't know who you are, you keep trying to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. You're going to get, you're going to get to a certain part of, point in your life and you go, why did I waste all this time? I feel like I sacrificed my twenties and if I would have known what I know now, and I'm 39 years old, but where I had a massive growth in my life was right around 30, 31 ish. I, I caught on fire and I, I put it, started putting the pieces of the puzzle together. It's like, all right, I know I don't want to live this life. I need to do what I need. To. So that's how I get motivated from. I get motivated more by pain than pleasure. Two major catalysts, right? But both of them are important. But pain, fear of missing out or fear of something scares the shit out of me. And that's what's going to get me to move. Okay. And I, maybe it just comes from the military as well. I don't know. Like me not dying. You know what I mean? Like people say, how, how are you doing today? Man, I'm great. As long as bullets aren't flying over my head, that's a good day. You know? So that's a, obviously I, I say things like that to put me in my, in my frame of mind. And I was on another show and she's part of the community as well. Um, now she's great show. Talk back. She's a younger um, female entrepreneur, but she's, vibrant and whatnot and i made a point to her as a listen you just need to gain more knowledge that's what i was lacking i had the natural abilities of being able to communicate and make people feel a certain way and get what i needed from them i didn't know what the emotional intelligence was people said you're a natural salesperson i was like but i don't sell shit you know <laughs> i was like i just have a conversation people hand me a script and I started like catching on fire. I went through, man. And I was just like, I sat down and my dad told me this story. He picked me up from a bar as your dads do at certain times in your life when you're a little, little intoxicated. He goes every single, he goes, I want you to look at something real quick. He probably doesn't, he probably doesn't think that I remember this. (laughs) I was elaborated at the time, but I was sitting in his truck and looking inside the bar and goes every single last one of them inside, they don't have a life. That's uh, so true, man. My friend who who grew up in South Boston, he owns a, a successful restaurant chain out here. His his dad said the same version of that story to him. He, he he grabbed him one day the same exact way, and he said, "Nothing good ever come out of the pub, son." Nah, man, <laughs> nothing, nothing. And you know, now I mean, now I look back at that time in my life, and I'm grateful for me putting myself through that because that's a like I've already lived that. You know, I know what the outcome is. There's, there's a common denominator at some point. And all the things that where I wasn't excelling in life and I was losing every day or losing certain days. And that's why I, I say this a lot with my teams. Like, did you win your day? That's a hard, that's a hard way of breaking it down. But think about this at night, eight, eight o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. At some point during that time, you're going to start thinking in your mind, what I got to do tomorrow and how was my day? Yeah. You got to take inventory, right? You'll be like, you well, do. did I win my day? You know you won your day if you lost your day. But I'd switch that from, uh, did I win my day or not to lose my day? Did I lose? Where did I come up short? Where can I learn? Yeah, that's an important, and 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 I like the fact that I don't hear judgment in the, I, I guess, in a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it's just an after action report. It's just a, a mm-hmm. it's just a very non-judgmental way of saying what went well, 
what what do I wish had I had done different and what am I going to do tomorrow to make that happen and and I think it really does propel us into um you know improving every day and that's really what this is about but you know we're we're at a point I think Chris in your story where you know you get out of the military and you start to apply all those principles and you talk about some of the early successes you were having in, in, in putting sales force, you know, together and sales performance mm-hmm. ideas together, but there was still a bit of incongruency and you were, you, you, there it, was yeah. still a big part of Chris that, you know, when you looked at your day, I'm sure you were like the drinking or the drugs and, and the way you were feeling about yourself didn't measure up to kind of this external vision that you wanted people to see you. And, and that, that, that started to wear on you, didn't it? Oh yeah, big time. And um, you picked up on that. And I haven't even shared that with you just for the listeners, give them a little bit co- more context. That's how great it Charlie is at what he does on this show. I've never even mentioned this. I got to a certain spot in my career that I was just so good at what I did and I knew it. But not in a, a, you know, in a way where I was bragging, but I knew that I, my flu game was better than everybody else's hundred percent. Yeah, I call that con- I, I, you were consciously competent. You you were yeah, good. I, I knew, knew why exactly. You were good. I mean, it's just I knew how to turn it on and turn it off. And I would when I turned it on, it I was on, and I'm feeling it. And it doesn't take me long. And I would catch on fire, and that one would turn into th- three sales. I was enrolling people by packs of people into programs by packs. They were bringing their friends. They were bringing their moms. They were bring. I had a program that fit everyone. They were like, because what the common denominator was how I made them feel. So when I got to a certain, I didn't know what to do with my energy. That was the problem. I was great at what I did when I was doing what I loved to do. When I got off of work and I was no one else, I would go to the bar. I would go and hang out. I would go. I just needed to transfer my, I didn't know how to recycle energy. That's the whole point. I would, I learned how to transfer energy and recycle it at work and, and getting the impact. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm doing this for them. I'm changing their lives. And I would get messages, man. Like you changed my life, Chris. That's, that does a lot to a human being. You don't know what to do with that energy, man. So I would get off and I'm like, it was self-sabotage because I was all back from the behaviors and the habits that I was possessing. And during the time, I couldn't do those things anymore because it wasn't going to get me. It was going to serve me, but I didn't know how to turn it off. So I was living two lives. Great at what I did, but behind the scenes, you don't know what I was doing. I was destroying myself. And I was still going to work the next day, 10%, not smelling. I, I knew it was a system behind it, man. I, I would get there and I would turn it. My 10% was better than everyone else's hundred. And I was running circles around them. Then I would, then the point, there's a lot of pivotal moments at that time. But I was like, I got to focus. I got to, I got to really dig in. I owe it to myself. And this is when it happened. I went to a retirement home, called them up and said, Hey, I'm doing a, I'm doing a project on personal growth. Um, also regret. I would love to interview some of your patients, some of the, some of the people in your community. Um, I don't know if that's wow. possible. If, if it is possible, I would love to, to like, what do I need to do? Like, well, they were just think about this overall. These people are just waiting there to die. Pretty much some of them. All you need is an ID and a notepad and a conscience or and just, you know what I mean? A little bit of, a little bit of curiosity to you. I got there and it was, a, they were so excited. They announced it that I was coming. I was part of this, you know, you know, college trade school. I was just looking for a topic. I started learning more about myself um, sort of leaning in, gaining more knowledge. I left Charleston, South Carolina, went to Austin, Tech. I was in Austin, Texas at the time. Didn't know anyone that well. So I was subconsciously in, I was making a decision, but I kept running back and going back into different things. And I would have a little bit of growth and run right back to my old habits. It were, weren't serving me at all, but gave me comfort because I wanted to feel something. I was recreating my own trauma. And I'll go back to that too. But when I went to that retirement home, they were all sitting there on a round table, just waiting to talk to me. And we had a really impactful conversations. Really impactful. Like, what was the girl's name that you wanted to like ask out on a date? Is there anybody in your life you wanted to ask out on a date? You never got the opportunity. You never got the courage to do it. And they, every single person in there would tell me a significant other, it was a guy or a girl, whatever. They would tell me their name. They would tell me who they married. They would tell me when they died or tell me what they did with their life. What does that tell you overall? 
people remember the the times where they feel like they lost an opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely right. They always remember those moments. So here's the thing about a human brain for most people don't understand. The neocortex, the frontal lobe, part of your head, conscious and unconscious brain, okay? When you're conscious, that means you're awake for some. <laughs> and the other ones, unconscious, that part of your brain shuts down at nighttime, all the way down to about 5%, 10%, okay? So now you're, you're only functioning off your subconscious part of your brain. The other part of your brain is actually the librarian, to make it easier for the listeners, that processes all the information that you learned that day, subconsciously or conscious. Doesn't matter. You gain knowledge and your experiences and how you feel. And that's why I don't like to touch technology. You're, they're predetermining how I would feel. Like there's scarcity tactics there, you know, as far as there's, there's beautiful women, beautiful men, whatever you're into nowadays. And they're telling you, you can't be this and you're not good enough. And there's, you know, we got people that are putting freaking pigs ass in their freaking lips and all kinds of stuff just because they want to fit in on social media. And I, I know this is a big, huge loop back. But when I'm going into this and I was asking questions, the one thing that kept coming up is what they didn't do in life. The regret. That regret. And you can see the pain behind their eyes, man. Like behind their eyes, you can see the pain of regret. Some, some of the conversations I had to peel back and dial it back a little bit because I could see that they were getting really emotional and really upset. So I was like, shit, I got to, how do I get this? And so it goes back to everything I teach. How can I, how can I leave them excited? So then I would do something else and a little exercise to bring them all together. And when I left there, I can't tell you how many emails and how many messages, not that I got from the facility and the people from their families. Wow. That's a gift that kept giving for me. And I, and I paid, and I, yeah, I learned a lot from that conversations and that project, I guess you would say, I learned a lot from it. But the one thing that I did learn is that I can make more co collective impact with my intention if it's pure. But I need to be 100% aligned to that message. And that so double, had, that double had, life, that double life was a was a big obstacle, wasn't it? I, yeah, mean, I, I couldn't I and I couldn't do it. I couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah, I mean, you got those two dials, you know, it's, it's, um, I'm, I'm interviewing and caring and loving these, these, yeah. these elderly people and doing these great interviews. And I'm, I'm intentionally helping people. But, you know, at night, I'm, 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 I'm not behaving the way I really should be behaving. If this is me, and this is who I want to be, what am I doing here at night? You know, right. and, and that that double life, I think everybody, you know, and I, and I think, across the board, you know, when we talk about alignment, it is, it really is the, the, the saving grace of our lives is when we're in oh, alignment. Man, I love you said that. Soul, I love you said that. When our soul is, is really firing, when the engine can really full fire on all cylinders, it's when our behaviors and our beliefs are in alignment because when they're not, you know, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, and, and you had your, when, I mean, you, you, you had, you found enough pain to realize that you couldn't keep doing what you were doing at knife. And it's, it's been about five years ago since you, you yeah, well, officially, when I officially stopped drinking, granted, even before then, I wasn't drinking as much as I was, you know, like when I didn't have anything to do with my life. I was working a lot, but that was another problem is that I, that was just that was my other addiction was work. I, yeah, and I would just sit there and work and work. I was working 120 hours a week, you know, at a job. They're only paying me 40 hours. And the CEO walked into the office at one point and I was astronomical results, man. I'm telling you, I would walk into a canvas and redo everything that they were doing. Like you just are doing it all wrong, but that was my only way. It kept me busy. So I, I learned that about myself. I got to stay busy because if I don't stay, if I don't stay busy, I'm going to find something to do and something to do was something I didn't want to do. It was like drinking and like, yeah, well, it's drinking, you know, and Having you know, always what people say, oh, just you'll have one or two. I, I just never been the guy that could have one or two. Okay, one turned into hundred, man. Like I don't know. I've, then I'm gonna start masking and numbing some of the you know the decision making. I'm like, oh yeah, what the hell? And then some girl walks in. I'm like, oh, right, I'll have a conversation with her. You right. Know? So, yeah. The, the moral <laughs> compass gets gets shattered yeah, a little bit, and yeah, that's I'm where like, the, I'm lost. the shame and guilt associated yeah. with the nighttime. You know, and George. You know, I, I refer to to a lot of the stories from people, and George called himself Joe College during the day and, and cool in the gang at night. He was living a double life, and you know, at some point, you know, when we're out of alignment like that, the shame and guilt associated with the decisions we're making and the behaviors that we're engaged in 
create enough pain in our life that, that we've got to change. And, you know, how important was that change for you? And, and, and what is it, what, what would you say the primary benefit for the, this version of Chris Ross, you know, being as connected and in alignment as he is, what's been the, what was the hardest part about making that decision? And what's been the best part about making that decision? The hardest part about making that decision, I knew that I would lose a lot of people. Mm. And I had a hard time being alone. Yeah. Even in relationship and, you know, um, I, I named my daughter a ball. Okay. And it means hope in Arabic. And but when I named her that, um, it wasn't just me coming up with the name. But one thing that actually was one of the deciding factors of me saying, yeah, I think we should name her that, um, is that George Clooney, as his wife's name is Amal. And I figured that I was a George Clooney <laughs> because I was single for so long. You know what I mean? And I, when I, you know, jumped right into the relationship, I was the guy that just had a good time. Um, but that was the hardest decision for me was separating myself from everybody that I ever known um, and really focusing on what I really wanted to do. But I had no idea what the hell I was doing. You mentioned Michelangelo and I read some of this, that stuff. I knew that the way of thinking. I just need to focus on the next step, the next day. That's when I, you hear a lot of influencers talking about, you just need to be 1% better tomorrow than you are today. I live my, I live my life by that. Yeah, for and sure. And I take inventory every day. I can show you a spreadsheet that I've been taking. I've been filling out for about 18 months now. And I rate my day and all the areas of my life, all aspects. Yeah, if one, people, people don't, people don't need to understand. Th and, and, and the importance of that is this. If you know anybody in business, a business that takes no regular inventory will ultimately go broke. If you're not evaluating the, the if you're not evaluating the items in stock and getting rid of the damaged ones, uh, then ultimately you'll end up with, you know, a, an unaccounted for inventory. And so I, I, I so appreciate that. And I'm sure it helps you, you know, really self-evaluate. Yeah. And it, it keeps me, it holds me accountable to ensure that I'm growing. And that's another part of that question was that that was what I was scared of. And then what mm. the, the, the best, best part of it that I did start seeing the growth a little bit more. And that was the biggest question I asked myself, am I living a life where I feel like there's a lot of purpose and there's a drive behind that purpose? And if I'm able to do that, then I'm able to figure out how I can recycle that, bottle it up, and then transfer it back into whatever I'm doing. So there's there's a there's an effect from that, and that's obviously the reason why I named the show the Win Win Effect. I said it with a little tune now because the music is subconsciously in my mind. But I actually have people that come onto the show or being around the show or listen or listeners, many listeners, the guys that are out there listening to this. I'm creating a huge ambassadorship behind the message because it's one heartbeat, one mission, one outcome that success. I don't say that shit because it sounds great. I say that because I live and die by that. And when I start become unaligned to that message and not eating my own dog food every day, I start coming a little bit more unraveled. Yeah. And I wanted, I just want to know what it felt like to play it a hundred percent every day. Like here's you... my results are playing at 20. Mm. Now here's my results. I was beating people by a million dollars who were doing in sales for over 30 years. I was beating them by a million dollars a month. I, I would walk into the meetings and go, I don't know how the hell he's doing this. I'm like, you're selling, I'm serving. That's the problem. How much you want me to beat you by? Just give me your number. How much you, what's your goal this month? 700K. Okay. I'm doing one seven, one eight promise you if i don't i'll give you i'll give you the piece of the upright and the difference in commissions and i held myself accountable because i knew that if i set something if i set my targets and my eyes on my sights on something i'm going to die until i got i would get there i am willing to die until i got there that's the message behind it. you talked about overcome out loud i force myself to feel friction and feel resistance because i need to feel that if it's too easy for me that means i'm not growing yeah, the growth comes in being uncomfortable. And, and, and I, I so relate to that. And I think a lot of people do when they go through making changes in their life that actually will serve them. It's like, you know, I, I really no longer want to be eating the way I'm eating and, and, and the fear of losing the opportunity to go have a burger and fries or, but, but for you, this, this, the fear of isolation, because, you know, you'd been running from yourself for so long and now yeah. you surrounded yourself. I didn't know how to be alone in my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're, you're sitting there, you know, 
using drugs and alcohol and, and the, and the camaraderie that you saw in that kind of lower companion that you were hanging out with at night and the things that you were doing at night mm -hmm. as a connection that you were missing, but it wasn't a real connection. And, and that the losing any connection must've been terrifying, especially knowing how afraid you were of being alone, but, but let's shed the real light on what happened because the truth wasn't a lack of connection after you changed your, your, your behaviors are out of alignment with your beliefs. It was abundance. I mean, now the people that you are connected with, I mean, talk about, you know, how that fear actually was, was, was a, a, a oh, false man, narrative and, and talk about the kind of people that you've gotten to be around now with this version of Chris Ross, because I think mm -hmm. it's hopeful for people to realize that we all, and we all have fear, you know, the fear of the unknown, the fear of change. It's like, I will, ra I would rather continue to chew Vicodin and drink every day. Cause mm -hmm. I know this misery is familiar to me, you know, and if that's my lot in life, that's my lot in life. Cause I really can't see that any, the, the, the path to get better seems so far and so hard. I might as well just stay where I am out of absolute fear and comfort in the known versus the unknown. But, but ultimately you take one step closer to the known and how, how good is it, Chris? Seriously. It's amazing. It's, 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 it's really liberating um, be, on, on a lot of different ways. And that's where I was able, and I'm, 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 I'm so, I love you, man. You picked up on this, and, and, and people don't pick up on the abundant side of it. And I think the only ones that really are in tune to that way of thinking are the ones that put into work and overcome some crazy shit in their life. But me looking at where, that, that was by me being plugged into my energy source. Like you have your phone right now. You plugged in somewhere, okay? But if you take your phone off the charge, it's losing battery. It's going to die eventually depending on the use and whatever, right? Okay. I learned how to be plugged into that source all day long, even when I'm sleeping. Even when I'm sleeping, because guess what's going to happen? I'm going to wake up, go through my routine, get to myself, get myself in my right frame of mind to serve in all the different capacities and the levels that I'm doing it right now. And I'm going to start checking my computer and go through my emails. Do my, I do the same shit every day at the same time. Every day, Okay. Uh, emails, reports, this, this. First thing I do is emails and I clean those out. Wow. Knock those out. Because I learned how to slow down time. That's the biggest thing that I learned from shifting over to the abundance lifestyle. Because this is what's needed to get me to that feeling. So that's why I start my day by reading emails. Not internal emails with staff and shit. I got internal communi communications for that, like Slack or whatever you use. Emails is something important. I'm plugged into the universe. I'm plugged into people's demands, needs, wants, desires. Okay. I'm only going to answer to those wants. And I'm usually by the collective impact that I'm making in the marketplace that people I never thought that I would ever be able to have an opportunity to plant a seed underneath a tree. Okay. For them and put water to it and giving them a way of looking at life, changing their perspective just a little bit. And I read those emails and I'm like, wow, like, holy shit. People tell me that I've never met them and they would, they just listen to me and they're like, Chris, you're changing my life. And the person you had on, I've been hearing you say this shit for like two years. And then you brought on this guy, Charles Smith, and then he brought up something and it really sunk in. Wow. I really resonated with that story. I just want to meet you in person. If I can ever hug you. Just, you know, I'm not trying to be a fence or I'm not trying to whatever. Right. You get genuine people out. There's genuine people out there. If you're genuinely putting in the right information into your channels. And that's where I talked about like recreating your trauma. Yeah. All I'm doing is I'm recreating that feeling of satisfaction and fulfillment that I'm getting being plugged into that energy source. That's the only thing that I'm entertaining. I don't entertain negative thinkers. I don't entertain negative talk. I don't entertain negative people, negative influences, negative messages. I don't, I don't, I only follow people on social media and I don't even stay on, I'm on social media an hour a day. One hour, check messages, move on. And that's checking messages, the ones they star, my team's running. And I'm only following certain people because they're only put, putting things out in the universe that I want to be attracted to. I don't follow negative people. I don't. Negative people and negative time and negative talk, that's creating space in my mind. And that's going, that's like cancer to me. Yeah, it's, it's literally like, having uh, ne negativity is like having a virus installed in your mind and sitting there every day working on your computer knowing there's a virus installed it's like right. and and the, and the power of negativity i mean i don't know if, you know and, and I, I i share really regularly about 
the power of, of negativity. I mean, what we think is, is, in, is really important. What we say out loud is 10 times more powerful than what we think. Mm -hmm. And by the research done by Christine Porath at the Harvard Business Review, if it's negative, it could be four to seven times more powerful oh, 100%. than positive. So you've, it's you've gonna actually be reinforced by experience and it's going to be reinforced by experience behind it. I, got, I love this. Go ahead. Yeah, because expectancy theory says that what we focus on expands. So if we start to weaponize ourselves against ourselves and focus on negative, we're going to start th thought stacking because our ego wants to be proved right. I, I often show... Uh, I often show a clip of, of Bill Buckner in the 1986 World Series. I don't know if you've seen it, but in oh, yeah, 1986, he, yeah. he let the ground ball go between his legs uh, in game six when the Red Sox were one out away from winning the World Series. And what, what people don't understand is Bill Buckner was actually a golden glove fielder. This was not some. Yeah, he's a great ball player. I was him. Incredible. Yeah. But what people don't know, and you can Google this, 12 days before that game, he gave an interview to a Boston radio station. And he said the following, it's a big game. It's the World Series. We haven't won one since 1918. The dream is you have a good game. The nightmare is you give up the game-winning run by letting a routine ball grow, go through the, your legs. Yeah, I actually read that, yeah. Said it out loud. And did he make that happen? No, but his subconscious listens to his conscious mind. And so when that event happened, he had already pre-programmed what he thought was going to happen, and it happened. You know, our right. subconscious, and you talked so eloquently about how our subconscious works we listen to ourselves so if we listen to ourselves why wouldn't we be our best advocates instead of our best enemies right perfect example people i love music i'm sure a lot of people out there listening into this love music i grew up in the south obviously you know you have um i grew up in an italian family so my mom like really loved like old school r&b like when they used to sing their songs and they step out the music and do you know what I mean? like teddy pinnagrass and shit real good music right then rock music country music i loved all kind of music i like like old school rap like old school like i'm talking like old school stuff way when they were actually rapping and rhyming okay so i love the beats it was always the beat and getting myself there and, and why i'm telling you this the more i look back at my life and during that time in my life where I made that conscious decision and I put the intention on growth and me for a change rather than me, not me serving someone, I need to gain more knowledge and I need to focus on my craft and hone in on that shit and become the best at the game. I might not be the best in the world at what I do, but in my mind, I believe it when it's game time. I can turn that sucker on. There's no one going to sit next to me and beat me at whatever I'm working on. Because I'm not going to beat myself. So when I looked at all this type of stuff and I started putting all these puzzles together, man, and pieces of it, I'm like, okay, this isn't serving me. Get it out of there. This isn't serving me. Get it out of there. This I measure and reassess here. I just became a lot more organized on what I needed to do and put my attention on. So with that negative shit in your mind, you can't listen to rap songs talking about bees and hoes all day long and popping champagne and living a luxury of life and wearing all these watches and putting a, this is a rapper right now put a freaking jewel in his freaking forehead like what is wrong with you like this is what's actually affecting the world right now and influencing the world these people that are making all this damn money they don't know what to do with but they're serving needs and not serving themselves i i'm paying very close attention to what i follow what i take in what i listen to why i listen to certain things I don't watch mindless entertainment. I have a hard time right now watching sports, man. Luckily for this past year in 2020, I, they gave me a clear and concise vision of exactly what I don't want in my life. And I realized that I can live without sports. Okay. Yeah. You, and you, you just, you, you, you really emphasize something really important. We do have, we have control over what we consume. And now, if we can, that's if, your choice that it, it, and it's their job to suck us in. And it's our job to be an intelligent consumer of content. Right. And you, you can, you can, I mean, I think the 24 hour news cycle has been one of the greatest examples of, of negative influence that we have. I mean, they are capturing audiences because they want to sell ads and they know the power of negativity it's that's why every long that, that's why there's so much conflict and and they the statistics show that if you watch 27 if you watch 30 minutes of news you are 27 percent more likely to say you had a shitty day Plain of course you are of course you are i'll give you an example of how much i don't watch tv okay they have a thing in the uk right now in school they've had it for a long time it's called tv licensing okay you have to pay for a tv license They'll send it to you. It's like, it's cheap as shit. It's not like it's expensive. It's like 
hundred bucks a year, 200 bucks a year, 200 pounds. So that's what 300 bucks. That's paying for the news and all this outlets and all this stuff, right? If you watch and stream, I, I don't watch TV. I have the, one of the biggest TVs in my living room right now, and I don't watch it. But at, at the time, in a certain part of my life, I was watching, consuming a lot of sports, a lot of TV, a lot of that. I couldn't go to sleep without watching shit on TV. Yeah, it's I an escape. I couldn't take my mind. I couldn't, tr I couldn't take my mind and shut it off. And I would have to watch something and have it in the background noise. It's a limiting belief right there. I need to hear something in my background, make me feel more comforted. Comforted. No, I'm just not. I'm not. I wasn't even forcing myself to be alone in my own thoughts because I, I was petrified of what was going to happen if I was there. Wow. And that was a big so shift, powerful. man. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Once I then I got there. Not like people meditate and they go, hmm. You know, if they do that, great. Whatever. I'm not knocking you. I just know what works for me. I know how to I know how to tap into my ego and really help and turn him on and turn him off. And I know how to give him a book when he's bored. But that ego, learning how to manage your ego is probably by far one of the most important things that are taking my numbers that are people are thinking, oh my God, I would just die if I was able to achieve something like that. I, that's just the byproduct of getting things I want in life. I don't even know how much money I make until I have to pay taxes on that shit. You know what I mean? But the, I, I don't but the, know. The, the joy is in the process. It's in it's the process. In I fall. I fell in love with the process of maximizing my my potential to the highest level. Am I am I growing enough? Am I serving enough? Am I asking? I had to suffer from this. Asking people around me in the universe and putting out my ask. I was serving and taking and doing for everyone else. I needed to make sure that I'm putting it out and asking. I, one thing I started doing with the podcast, um, every guest that came onto the show on one weekend, I recorded a short one to two minute testimonial, just talking about them, not about what they did for me or what they're doing for this. And I'm not going to promote that testimonial. That's your video of me saying thank you for you coming onto the show and blessing, blessing the audience with your time. Because time is the only non-renewable resource in life. You can't get that back. So if you're investing that time with me with nothing on benefit on return, I did that video and they can take that video and do what you wish. I'm not going to promote it, but put it on your website, do whatever you want. But one thing they will do is they'll listen to it and they can feel from my intention is pure. And I'm just saying, thank you. That's it, man. It's just a matter of being of service. And, and that's one of the gifts that you give to, to so many. And, and so, you know, as we, as we wrap up, I, I'm going to, and, and, and if you're, if you're following me, you're going to see more of Chris Ross, because th this man is, has, has made a significant impact in my life very, very quickly. And, and I, I, and I just ask you, you know, for anybody struggling adversity, challenge and change in their life today, thinking about what they need to overcome, you know, what's the, what's the one piece of advice that you could give them to help them take that first step out of the cave today, Chris? Just sit down and, and really just be alone in your own thoughts and write out and just write out information. Like, what are you thinking of? Why are you thinking? And then that's for later. Why? But when you're breaking it all down, just understanding what's happening or how you're feeling. Most people don't know how they feel. They, it's, this has been projected onto us in a, in a very long time. Like, Charlie, how's it going? But then no one waits for the response. Mm, so true. And it's, and it's a predetermined response. And that's why they go, I'm good. I was always good. That's a limiting belief for myself. I would always say when you get, I got on a call, they'd be like, how are you doing, Chris? I'm like, I'm always good, man. As long as boats aren't flying over my head. Every day is a great day. Bullshit. I was lying to myself right from the beginning. No, I'm not okay. I started saying that to myself and started saying that to people that I was talking to. I am horrible today, Charlie, but I'm pushing through and I'll make it to the next second. Yeah, I love that. You said that to me the other day when we were talking. You said... Today seems like a bit of a challenge, but I know I'm going to make through it because I've made through other challenging times. I mean, and, and look, man, there's no denying the most important honesty is, is the honesty with ourselves, right? If we're lying yeah. to ourselves, you know, then, then, then we're going to lie to others. And that's the, right. that's the biggest lie is the lie we tell ourselves. And if, and if I can share this with your listeners, I know we're running out of time and I want to be conscious of that because everyone's time is valuable. Um, Bring it, my man. If I, I want to talk to the person right now that you feel that you're, you're going to lose it all right this second, okay? 374 days ago, I was sitting in a spot, my back's against the wall, literally. I felt like I lost everything. I had made all the money I could ever make. And I was living a life that was bullshit. 
Okay. Had all the money, had all the watches, had all the cars, had a fucking driver. What am I doing with a driver? Come on, man. And I was forced with forced by the universe that you got two choices. Either you lean into this and you go through the battles and go through the struggles and you fight, or you're gonna end up killing yourself. Wow. And I had no choice, of course. And I'm so grateful and fortunate. If I, yeah, of course, the person I was with at the time. Um, I'm just so, I'm so grateful for her. Not because what she she probably thinks that she tried to destroy my life. She just made me unfucking stoppable. I trans I changed the verbiage. I changed the way I was looking at life. I went from why me to try me. Try me. That's how I lean into my day. Try me. I'm the most prepared. You ain't shit. I'm gonna get you. And it's and that's my way of putting it out. I'm not trying to get anyone. I'm just saying that I'm in a constant battle and a constant war with myself every day. And I'm willing in any given second, Charlie, any given second to destroy the version of myself today to get to who I should be. Chris Ross has uninstalled the virus of negativity and self-limiting beliefs more than anybody that I've sat down with. I don't say this lightly, man, but I got a lot of love for you. I got a love for what, a lot of love for what you're doing. I, I'm so grateful to be included in the things that you're doing. I'm here to obviously be of service to to your platform and to the guys that you work with. And I just, man, thank you so much for for coming on today and overcoming out loud. I, I'm I'm very blessed. I'm very blessed, and I'm a better person now that I've invested this time with you and serving your audience. And feelings are mutual, man. I mean, you've come into my life, and I believe that at the right time for my life that. Now we can kind of work together on figuring out how we can make more of a collective impact and sharing the message out there to those who need to hear it. Not because they want to hear it, they need to hear. So thank you for the opportunity. Can you just real quick, as we wrap up, let people know how they can find you. And, you know, we'll obviously tag and, and, and put all of the, right. the content yeah, connections easy. on our side, but tell us how, tell, <laughs> I know people are going to want more of Chris Ross. Tell, tell, tell us how we can find you, man. Easiest, best way to probably find me is winject.com, W-I-N-J-E-C-T.com. That's this, this Winject Studios uh, platform, the community we're building first, the engine, turning into collaboration and then, then making an impact, collective impact in the marketplace with podcast communities and, and building out that right now. Uh, but chrisrossofficial.com, easiest. Um, I had a verified Instagram account. So if you go, it might be fixed by the time this comes out, it, um, at Chris Ross, one word, obviously two, um, you know, Chris Ross, one all together. Um, it got hacked. Unfortunately, <laughs> I spent a little bit of life on Ver verification. Don't mean shit to me. <laughs> I think I don't care about verification. I got a little blue tick and I, my team told me about it. I was like, what does it mean? I got a blue. How do I get that shit? <laughs> Who gave me that? So I started, they started like retweeting and quoting and me getting myself out there, but I'm not, I'm not hard to find Yeah, if man. people. I mean, I'm only the one person at one Chris Ross in this world that actually does what I do and why I do what I do. So um, I'm pretty easy to find. Awesome, man. Thanks for coming on. We'll, we'll talk soon. Love you. Always. Great. Love you too, man. See Take you. care. Out. Bye-bye.